Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 62, The More You Know. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, his favorite childhood memory is deep sea fishing with his dad, Pat Flynn. Hey, 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 what's up, y'all? This is Pat Flynn, and thank you so much for listening to the 62nd session of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. I just got back actually just finished up with Social Media Marketing World, a conference that was held right here in San Diego, my hometown, and the weather was fantastic, and so was the conference. I did speak twice, actually, once in a solo session and then on a panel, both times about podcasting. Podcasting became one of the major themes during the conference. It was mentioned as one of the hottest things to do in 2013 as far as content marketing and building relationships with your audience. Um, Everyone was buzzing about the idea of podcasting, and uh, it was just really cool to see standing room only in, in both of the sessions I was in. So um, thank you to everyone who attended, uh, who, who gave me great comments about my presentation. As all of you know, I work really hard on public speaking, uh, and I'm going to be doing a lot more in the future and hopefully get better at it. So thank you again. Now, for today, I'm really excited to bring on a guest who is a part of one of the largest, most powerful, and influential segments of the blogosphere advertisers and product owners just go crazy and they look toward this group first often just because of the large amount of traffic these types of bloggers are getting, the strong relationships that they have with their audience, and as a whole, just how much they can really take an unknown product, for example, and and put it on the map. So what segment of the blogosphere am I talking about? Any guesses? Mom bloggers. You probably knew that since you saw the title of this episode, but uh, yes, it's mom bloggers, not mommy bloggers and you'll hear more about why it's mom bloggers and not mommy bloggers later in this interview with megan francis from the happiest she actually just rebranded from the happiest so you'll hear us talk about her website as the happiest in the episode but that if even if you go to that domain that domain it forwards to the happiest home again she just rebranded 
Megan has an amazing story about how she got into the digital world, and, and she's currently doing some great, amazing stuff. She just had her first six-figure year from her mom blog uh, and everything she's doing there. And, and we do talk monetization strategy in the show, which is really interesting because you know coming from the mom blogger niche, uh, it's much different than what I do. Uh, she's now an author. She has a book according to Disney's babble.com she's a top 100 blogger and she's doing a lot of public speaking now and most importantly she told me in one of her emails that she's having a blast doing exactly what she wants to do in her life and her work has never melded so well together so definitely this is going to be awesome so let's get right into it megan welcome to the smart passive income podcast thank you so much for coming on hey pat it's a pleasure well Tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do online. I know, you, I mean, you, the email you sent me uh, just was a fantastic story, and I can't wait for listeners to hear. So, so let's start from the beginning for you. Absolutely. Well, I can start way back at the beginning of sort of my um, more entrepreneurial journey, I guess I would put it. Um, I'm a mom of five, and when I was pregnant with my third child, I was uh, working in an office job that, you know, it's just kind of a typical eight to five. I really loved the people that I worked with, but I just didn't love what I was doing. And I hated spending so much time away from my kids. And here I had this baby coming and I had always wanted to write. I'd always wanted to be a writer, but I had absolutely no uh, background, no formal education, nothing. I didn't know what I was doing. This was kind of back in the beginning of when people were really starting. I mean, like a lot of the magazines that I was wanting to write for didn't even really have good websites yet. Mm -hmm. None of their email addresses were online. It was all very much still a snail mail world, as we called it. And uh, so I started pitching magazines. And and I did learn about that through some online forums. Um, And I started, so I started pitching these magazines and started getting assignments. And so pretty soon, like, really quickly, a lot more quickly than I thought. And it's amazing how a deadline like a pregnancy will really light a fire (laughs) under your butt. And I really had no social life. I didn't watch TV. I got up in the morning and I checked my email and then I said pitches all day long and, you know, not from my job, but like during my lunch break and um, right when I got home and kind of got the kids settled in, I would start up again. And so I was really, really driven. And um, pretty soon, pretty quickly, ended up actually making some real money at it and was able to eventually, within the next couple of years, quit the job that I had been working. I I started scaling back. So by the time my son was born, um, I didn't go back full-time. I went back part-time and supplemented with writing income and then was able to completely quit within a couple of years. So this whole time, I had been blogging as well. But my blog was always just for fun. Like I had, you know, a typical sort of mom blog. I wrote about what the kids were doing or what I was doing, and I didn't really have any purpose for it. I absolutely saw no potential for income with it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's kind of funny now. I don't know why I didn't see the writing on the wall. Um, but around 2009, I started to get this idea. Like I was looking around and and I felt like there was so much storytelling and sharing in sort of the parenting blogging world. And a lot of it was really negative. It was just a lot of kind of, hey, we're all in this together. Um we can't wait till it's, you know, the kids are in bed so we can all have a glass of wine, mm-hmm. basically like survival stories. And I thought that was really important, but I had been a mom for a while and I felt like I was kind of moving past that and wanting to tell a different story and wanting to sort of embrace the fact that you can be a mom and not be completely insane and um, stressed all the time and not have any life and never take a shower. I just kind of wanted to have a different message. So I started a new blog and that that one is my current blog, um, The Happiest Mom. It's thehappiestmom.com. And so that was really, when I started the blog, I really didn't have any real intentions for it. I just thought, I want to get this message out there and engage with the blogging world in a different way. And when I started it, it was really well received. I got a lot of great feedback right away. And so 
then that kind of turned into um, a book proposal, which sold really quickly. And so I wrote a book based on the blog. And then I started realizing, oh my gosh, like when I blog, you know, when I was writing for magazines, I was always telling somebody else's story. So I was always having to write about the topics my editors thought were valuable. And when I was writing a blog, I could dig into the minutia of any topic I wanted to write about. And it was really fantastic. So I started really devoting more and more time to the blog. And the rest is history. I mean, I haven't written a story for a magazine um, unless I just really have wanted to for over a year now. I don't, and I'm making more money from blogging than I ever was from freelancing. So it's been this really interesting shift. So I'm still writing and doing what I want to do, but I'm doing it so much more on my own terms. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot less about trading in my um, sort of time for money. There, there used to be that very clear-cut exchange, like, I write you 3,000 words, I get X number of dollars. And now it's a lot. I have a lot more control, I feel, over how much my income potential is and having like different... Now I've been listening to your show religiously, and it's got my brain turning in all these different ways besides having a book, which is a nice source of passive income, but just all these other ways that you can do that. And it's really, it's an exciting time to be a blogger. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now there's so many, there's, I mean, first of all, congratulations. Uh, I know that was a really long way of telling my story. <laughs> no, no, that's great. I mean, and, and second yeah. of all, I mean, mama five, I mean, that's, I mean, I'm a, da- I'm a father of two and, and we're, yeah. we're like going crazy here. Uh, and, and so to be, to be a mom of five, I mean, just like, just awesome. you you are awesome. Thank you. Um, and, you know, going back Back to when you first started. So essentially, when when you were saying you were pitching magazines, what you were essentially doing was was freelancing. I was freelancing, and right. and, and so t- you know, bring us through that because we tell you about that 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 process. Yeah, because a lot of yeah. a lot of people want to get started, and sure. you know, with a blog, you know, a lot of people were asking me like, oh, I want to make money as soon as possible. Um, should I start a blog? I'm like, if you want to make money soon, don't start a blog because that's right. a very long that's process. Long you should start <laughs> freelancing. So t- tell us mm-hmm. how you got like, how did that process work? What what did pitching a magazine really entail. Absolutely. Okay. So when you pitch a magazine, you write what's called a query letter. And basically it's like a snapshot of your idea. Now I will say the process has, when I started 10 years ago, the process was much more formal than it is now. Like I would write, you know, on paper, I would type up a letter and it would be, you know, there'd be an introduction letter, you know, sentence It would sound very much like the headline of a story. So if I was, you know, if I was going to pitch parenting magazine, I would try to have it be in the style of an article in parenting magazine. So maybe it would start with an anecdote or maybe it would start with a, a quote or a statistic. And then I would kind of lay out what the story was going to be about, you know, who I would interview for the story. And that's an important thing if you're going to be pitching um, magazines or websites that um, that require stories to be sourced with experts or with stats and stuff. A lot of people who come in from the blogging end don't kind of realize that um, that when you're writing for a magazine or a, or a big website, they usually don't want your voice only. They want it to kind of reflect their voice. Mm-hmm. So they want to know, like, for example, if it was in those days, um, Parents Magazine was much more heavy on um, expert quotes and like authoritative sources. So if I was ever going to pitch them, I had to have stats. I had to have an OBGYN or a pediatrician that I was um, interviewing in that story. So I kind of had to lay out how that was going to work. And then I would end with, you know, this is who I am and this is why I'm qualified to write the story. And you can find sample query letters online. And then I would go um, and then I would send it to the editors of the magazine and then I would wait and wait (laughs) and wait and cross my fingers. And over the years, the process has gotten in some ways a lot faster and easier, in some ways um, more a little more um, complicated and a little more frustrating because now that you can reach an editor in five seconds right, and it's right. so easy to find everyone's email addresses, well, so is everyone. You know, it used to be like there was a bigger obstacle to getting in. 
And now mm-hmm. the gatekeeper is gone. And so they're, these editors are getting flooded. Yeah. So absolutely slammed. So s- since you're sort of like a, you know, a veteran of, of, of doing these magazine pitches and kind of seeing sure. where it's come from and where it is now, mm-hmm. what, what's maybe one piece of advice you give to people who are trying to go down that route to get started um, to stand out from everybody else sending stuff in? You know, I think now one thing that I and I, I'm going to contradict what I just said a little bit and that this, the magazine does want their voice um, definitely represented. But I think now that blogging has gotten so big. Uh, the trend I'm seeing is more that they also want those outside voices. So I think you need to make your pitch stand out. There's no such thing as a new idea. There's really not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we all think that like, I, and I remember I would spin my wheels and think, oh, I've got to think of like the most unique idea, the idea no one's ever come up with before. And what I came up with were like a lot of really bad ideas because it turns out if no one's ever read about something before or written about it, maybe there's a reason. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like people, there's like tried and true themes, but you do have to find that sort of unique twist Maybe that's your story. Maybe that's your expertise. Um, and really play that up. Another thing that I've noticed now that's way different, has completely changed the landscape, is that a lot of these editors are now going to social media conferences. So you can meet them in person and in a way that you didn't really used to have that access. Mm-hmm. And then once you've met an editor, it's just so much easier to just send them an email later and say, hi, it was so great to meet you. And you kind of have an in. Um Another piece of advice I would give is to always follow up. These editors get so many messages and you don't want to be annoying about it and, you know, follow up every day for three weeks or something, but give it a little breathing time, maybe a week or two, and then just follow up and just real politely say, hey, I just want to make sure you got this pitch. I'd really love to work with you. Um, if this doesn't work for you, let me know and I'll try something else. And and don't give up. If you get a rejection, keep going and really kind of hone in on a few. I find that it makes a lot more sense when you're first getting started to really zero in on maybe six to eight people that are magazines that you really want to try to break into and really, you know, really work hard on those rather than having like, you know, three dozen that you're pitching and they're just kind of sending query letters all over the place and not really making any headway. Mm-hmm. So. Great. So uh, you went from pitching magazines to to your blog, your your mommy blog, and, and you were just talking mm-hmm. about your family and what you were doing in daily life. For, for that specific blog, which, which I... I that's not the happiest mom, right? That one started later. No, that one is defunct now. Okay. But 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 did your experience and, and your kind of the relationships you built and your article writing on pitching magazines, did, did that help you sort of get an audience to that initial blog uh, faster than you think if, if you didn't have I that? Think, I think that what helped me was the fact that I'd been around, you know, honestly, Twitter was um, really helpful because before then, you know, I feel like before then we were all, there was all these people blogging. And then the only real way to reach out and make connections with other bloggers um, was to comment on blogs. And then there was kind of, you know, there's a limit to how many blogs you can comment mm-hmm. on. And so I feel like when a lot of bloggers sort of en masse got on Twitter, all of a sudden there was a way to reach out to a lot more people all at once. So that to me was, uh, that was a big game changer in a lot of ways. Um, I do think that, I, you know, I had been attending conferences and I'd been involved in some group blogs um, for a few years. And so I did have sort of a... Um, I had sort of a sm- tiny little hold on that community and a little, you know, I kind of had a little chink in there, mm-hmm. but really it took a while. I mean, it wasn't like overnight, suddenly I had, you know, thousands of readers. It was more like at first I had a couple dozen really loyal readers who really loved what I was doing and then the word spread. Um, so I think what I had been doing before, but I will say the magazine work, I don't think that made any difference because I don't, when people read magazine articles, most of the time, and think about it, when you pick up a magazine, most of the time, unless it's like a really personal story, you're probably not going to look at who wrote the story. Yeah, I don't. And then even if you do, you're not going to look that person up. <laughs> so yeah. I, don't, I don't think that made much difference. Surprisingly, I really thought it would. Like when I wrote my um, book proposal, 
I was like, I had this great platform. I've been, you know, published in dozens and dozens of national magazines and editors were kind of like, well, that doesn't really matter because no mm, one remembers you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it doesn't I mean, mean anything. I think about that and I, I don't really think about who wrote those articles when I read them, to be honest. No, <laughs> you just, just not the natural, you know, I do as a writer, but readers, because I'm always curious mm. who's writing them, but the, the typical reader doesn't care. Yeah. They just think of it as an extension of the magazine. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe they yeah. should add calls to actions at the end of every article to, to get it. Hey, that's, you know, that would be one good thing that they could implement. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So then you started The Happiest Mom. This was in 2009, you said, which I think mm-hmm. is a great sort of uh, twist on what I was also seeing in the sort of mommy blogger blogosphere at that time because everything yeah. was so negative and, and, and uh, I'm just really cool, uh, happy that you did that. But you, you said initially that it was it was well received right away. How did you get so many people to, to come onto the site and, and how was it so well received so quickly? Well, you know, it wasn't that and it wasn't that like I suddenly had tons of readers because that's not really how it worked. It was more like I had made a few connections with highly influential people who enjoyed what I was saying and spread the word. So, but that still took some time. It wasn't overnight. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. Um, in fact, interestingly, it wasn't really until my book came out that I suddenly saw a spike in traffic. And I think some of that was because that gave me a little bit of that cachet, that, that clout of having a book come out. Mm-hmm. And this was a little bit before like every other blogger had a book coming out. <laughs> so, um, I was a little more kind of on the cutting edge there. And I think people were like, Ooh, she's got a book. That's, you know, that's impressive. Let's pay attention. This is a traditional, uh, this is a traditionally published book. book. Actually it was published in conjunction, um, in conjunction with parenting magazine. So I had that kind of, had that sort of muscle behind the book. And then, you know, it kind of did give me a little bit of a higher profile, I think, Mm -hmm. but it still took a, it still took a couple of years to really get to the point where my blog could be seen as like a money-making Thing all on its own. Right. So up until that, you know, it was more like a, a, a platform for me or a one way, one outlet. It was a way for me to get jobs, but it wasn't like a job. Right. In and of itself. Right. But, but I mean, now, I mean, you, you emailed me and said that in 2012, you made 40% more than your best yes. year of freelancing. And, and, yeah. and this was your first six figure year from yeah, your yes. blog. How, how is that happening? I mean, is it all just the book? How, how is that happening? No, uh, no, no. The book came out a couple of years ago. And honestly, the, those sales are still there, but they've tapered off a bit. Um, it's crazy. Okay. So one of the things, um, so let me be really clear. When I say like a six figure year, I count everything that I do together. So some of that's consulting. Um, okay. Some of that is blogging that I do for other sites. For example, I write for Babbel.com, which is a big parenting site. I write for HGTV um, gardening site. So I have like different blogging gigs that I do, uh-huh. but they're different from magazine work in that, again, it's I'm not pitching those stories. Those are all somehow related to my life or stuff that I know about. And it's not it's not the same process as like just freelancing was right. where I would write a query, wait you know, blah, blah, blah. But the other thing that I've been doing a lot more is working with brands. And that's something that, um, is huge right now with the mom blogging world and the parenting blogging world. Um, and I think is going to start infiltrating into other kinds of blogging as well. So let me just give you an example. I work with goldfish crackers. And so one of the things that I do is I write content for their site and then I, um, excerpt my posts from my own site. So I'm kind of acting kind of like as a a spokesperson sort of Uh for this brand. Um, so I'm coming up with custom content. I'm working with Conagra foods right now and I'm doing video for them. Um, so I'm, you know, for example, like I might be promoting a campaign that they've got going on. So I might do a video that shows me, I just did one that showed me, um, blanching and freezing vegetables kind of in conjunction with the campaign they're doing about frozen foods. So it's, what's great about it is it's not like I'm filming commercials. 
It's more kind of like the sponsored, you know, like when you're watching, do you ever watch the Food Network? I do all the time. Yeah. I, okay. uh, Iron Chef and Chopped are my favorite shows. Yeah. Okay. My, I love, I love Chopped. So you know how you're watching sometime and like one, somebody from one of the shows will come on and she's showing you how to make French fries. And then it kind of, you kind of figure out it's a commercial for Viva Paper Towels, but they don't really say like, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is the commercial. So it's got kind of like that. But there's still some added value to the, to the there's audience. added value. I'm showing, I'm, I'm teaching, I'm demonstrating. I'm not just like, I'm not just advertising. And it, and the trick with being a blogger is it all has to fit into your life in a really authentic way. Mm -hmm. um, and my readers know me so well and they know my positions on things so well that I, I have to be selective about who I promote. I, you know, if I just suddenly started shilling every company, people would get turned off and they would leave. Right. So it's, it's, it's that delicate balance. Um, but it's really lucrative work and I find it very satisfying. It's really fun and creative in a t totally different way. And I still feel like I'm giving a service to my readers yeah. without having to like sell them on every post, you know, like always be selling something. Yeah, I think that's that's always the most important thing to think about is, 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 is this going to be useful? Is this going to be interesting or exciting mm -hmm. or entertaining for for your audience? I, I'm, I'm glad that, right. you know, you still have that as sort of the backbone behind it, behind everything you do. But OK, so so these brands, do they do they, they do they come to you? Do you go to them? How does that relationship start? Well, sometimes. OK, so if it was. If it was me and I was just starting out, it would be sort of probably me more going to them. Okay. Um, I was lucky enough that there's a blogging agency that just opened up last year um, called Sway. And um, so my I actually have an agent named Danielle Wiley, and she used to work at Edelman, which is a big um, marketing and PR company. So she already had a lot of these connections. So sometimes she'll come to me with a campaign and say, hey, um, X brand wants you to do four videos and five posts and blah, blah, blah. And then I say, okay, that sounds great. Or no, thanks, not my thing. And she negotiates all that for me. Sometimes brands come to me directly mm -hmm. via my website. Uh, sometimes I meet them at conferences. I go to a lot of conferences. Um, and those are really a great way to just kind of meet people and network. You know, it doesn't have to be a hard sell just to kind of find out who's out there. It's the world is so small. People move around a lot. So somebody who's at a certain agency might move to a different agency or someone who's working with one brand, you know, might reach out to me and say, Hey, would you want to write us, you know, a review of XYZ product? And I don't really do reviews. I'm not, I've never been a blogger who will be like, yeah, please send me this product. I'll write a review about it. If I'm going to write a review about something, it's because I just love it. It's awesome. I used it. It blew me away. Um, because I, I just, it's not an interest of mine and I don't have a lot of time for sort of fielding these products. Mm -hmm. But I might say, you know, that's not a great fit for me, but please do keep me in mind if you have things in the future because you just never know. Yeah. Um, and so that it's kind of a mix, I guess, at this point. It's still, it's still sort of the Wild West in a lot of ways. Um, but now my agency, um, Sway, is now pairing up with another um, another network called the Sits Girls. And I think it's the Sits, S-I-T-S, girls.com. And I can send you that link so you can put it in the show notes. Okay. But they're they're putting together, I think, like 40,000 bloggers or something that they're going to be bringing these camp into these campaigns. So there is, there is opportunity there, um, even for bloggers who maybe have smaller audiences or who are just getting started. There's a way to kind of stepping stone up. Right. I just think the challenge is not doing so much of it when you're building your audience. Because you have to build the audience first, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, definitely. We'll talk about that in a second because I want to know sort okay, of your sure. strategies for doing that. But let's talk about these agencies really quick. Are, are these agencies just for the sort of mommy blogging community, and and you know, how do you get hooked up with one? I think that that's changing. You know, it's funny, and I I've been talking about this a lot with my blogging friends who are moms, and so many of them started off. Well, so many of us started off writing about parenting. We maybe we we're in the thick of things. We had little kids. 
We were writing about our day-to-day experiences. And then at some point, you kind of burn out on that. Um, Either your kids get older and you don't want to write about them anymore, or they don't want you to write about them anymore. Or sometimes you just kind of get tired (laughs) of telling those stories. You know, it's like, okay, what else do I have to say? (laughs) And a lot of what I'm seeing now is bloggers delving into different niches. So you might have someone who, yeah, she was like a, a, you know, quote unquote mommy blogger, which that phrase, by the way, is highly controversial. Yeah, I want to talk about that too. But But it's, um, but maybe they get into food or maybe they get into decorating or maybe they get into DIY projects or maybe they become writing coaches or, you know, so there's like all, what I'm seeing now is all these sort of first generation mom bloggers who are now suddenly getting all these other niches and they're delving in. And, um, it's great because now, you know, it's, it just opens up you, it opens you up to so many other possibilities and it kind of, it's, you know, it felt like mommy blogging was such a saturated niche for a while. Like we were all writing about the same stuff and now everyone I can see kind of like trickling out into these new areas and it's really cool. And I do think, you know, some of these agencies have been highly um, focused on mom bloggers, not, not exclusively, but highly, but I think that that's going to change. I think food and decorating and and home design and all that stuff is going to become just as big. If not, if it's not already there, it's getting there. Right, right. So, so, yeah. so let's talk about mommy blogging because sure. that was something that when I was starting to blog about, I heard a ton about this sort of mm-hmm. force that is the mommy blogging community. Why, why, mm-hmm. like the, it's it's still like kind of weird like not weird to me but just i sort of unknown as far as you know how, how did this come to be um uh, what you know what what is the power behind behind these mommy blo- why mommy bloggers and and um sort of you were mentioning some sort of negative connotations that came along with that yeah what, what are those sure well you know i think what it was and for me when i first started i started having kids like forever ago it was in the 90s <laughs> so my first son was born in 1997 and in those days there were forums and icq chat so people didn't use blogs yeah, really. Yes. Yeah, I know. But you would go into AOL's parenting chat or iVillage's parenting boards or whatever, and you that was your community. And a lot of us uh, feel so isolated. Maybe we're working moms and we don't have other good working mom friends in our offices, or maybe we're at-home moms and we know absolutely nobody else around us who parents the same way we do or even has kids or is home during the day or whatever. So there was a lot of loneliness. And I think that the internet changed so many things. Just suddenly, I remember the first time I got online. um, And I mean, I got online in college and was like on my old email that was just the black screen with the blue letters. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the first time I really got on the internet and I just sat there like, and I had a GeoCities website and it had like seven tildes in it. And it, like the, you know, the URL was super long. Yeah, yeah. And I remember just being like, oh my gosh, I can do anything I want. It was such an amazing moment. I'll never forget. I had a baby on my knee. He was like three months old. And I just thought I can talk to anyone I want. I can do anything I want. Like there are no limits. And I just, that was, that's never gone away for me. That, that amazement with this medium. So for me, when, in the early days of parenting, it was really about the forums. But then around 2000, and I'll never forget it. Someone sent me a link to her blog. And I was like, what is this? This is dumb. What is this blog? But it was, so, <laughs> and there were like 30 of us in the blog role. And we all just copied each other's blog roles uh-huh. because there were only 30 of us blogging. And we would just all go around this loop. Mm-hmm. But it was such a cool way because with the forums, you know, it could start to kind of feel like hijacking if you told your story too much. And you didn't always it wasn't like your place. And on your blog, it was your place. And you could say whatever you wanted. And people started building these communities just around these blogs. And then that got bigger and bigger. You know, I was, I think I set up my first blog spot blog in like 2001. It was really corny. 
um, and cringeworthy. And I hope it's not cashed out there somewhere. <laughs> so, but um, by 2006, suddenly it was like kind of like this critical mass was starting to form. And now there were hundreds. And then the first blog her conference was, I think, in, I want to say 2005 or 2006. That suddenly brought all these women out of the woodwork. And then suddenly, I mean, it happens so fast. When you think about really how quickly the rise of the mommy blogging world happened, it's amazing. But by the time I got into it in 2009, I really was like, man, has this peaked already? Mm -hmm. Am I too late? <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think it did. But um, Didn't peak for you didn't peak for me. And I don't think it, I, I think it's just changing. I don't think it's peaked. And I think blogging still, even with Facebook and Twitter and all that, I think blogging still has a very important role. But, um, so you were asking about the negative connotation of, of the, the word mommy blogger. You know, it's funny. I, I don't think a mom blogger coined the phrase mommy blogger. Someone like decided to kind of slap it on yeah, us. So generalize that sort of. Yeah. People. Well, I think it was just convenient for marketers maybe, or the media. They're like, what are we going to call all these women who blog about their kids? I know. Mommy. Let's call them mommy bloggers. And so it kind of stuck. And a lot of us cringe about that because um, even my kids don't call me mommy. I mean, it's just, right, right. Uh, it'd be like calling me a mommy lawyer. <laughs> you know, if I was a lawyer who happened to be a mom or, and, and not all mom bloggers write about their kids. I mean, a lot of us don't. I write about motherhood. Mm. but I don't write about it always through the lens of like what cute thing my kids did today. It's more like, how can I take this thing that happened to me and make it into a valuable story that's going to help my readers? Right. So, you know, it's, it's a fine line, but it's like, we don't all do it the same way. And so I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to kind of embrace new ways to describe women who happen to be moms <laughs> who have blogs and maybe talk about their kids, but maybe not. So is this, is this like a, like an, like a, I almost feel like because it has that name and, and, and there's just so many established bloggers out there, uh, you know, in, in this sort of group, uh, it, it's sort of like an exclusive sort of, you know, almost like a club almost to, to be a part of. I feel like there's, there's a really deep connection between all the mommy bloggers that someone on the outside might mm. sort of feel kind of, uh, you know, unwelcome to like, especially like, uh, for example, let's say there's a particular woman in my audience right now listening who, you know, would love to blog about their kids, but feels like, right. you know, that maybe it's a little too late or that there's just group of powerful women out there already that mm -hmm. would kind of, I don't know, not welcome yeah. them as much. I mean, wh what would you say to somebody like that who who wants to get sort of into this crowd too, would love to blog about their lives and their kids and helping other people and, and mm -hmm. getting brands to come to them? Is it is it too late? What would you what would you say to them? I don't think it's too late. I, I think that's very, uh, it's really easy to feel that way because you can look at the blog world and sort of see, you, there's definitely the perception, if not the reality of um, an A-list, you know, mm -hmm. or the cool crowd or whatever. Um, I think, but you always have to keep in mind that even there are bloggers leaving all the time. There are people who just get tired of it and move on to other things. And there are people coming up all the time. And some of the most successful bloggers I know just started like a year or two ago. And for whatever reason, whatever they were doing really hit a nerve. So you never know. That's one thing I would say. Another thing is just you have to kind of be in the space for a while and reach. Um, I have a good friend and her blog is um, simplemom.net and her, her blog is huge. And I remember her saying at a conference once, you know, when you're trying to figure out kind of where you fit and how to um, infiltrate this world that can seem very clicky sometimes is to, you know, reach down. So, so reach out to people who are maybe at a little bit lower level than you reach across. So like reach out to people who are doing what you do and then reach up. And that's how you get the people who are, you perceive as being higher up than you. If you reach out to those people, they're so, um, accessible. 
usually, almost always. <laughs> there's always an exception, but and they're so they're they're so willing to help out, and they're so willing to like help you promote your stuff. Um, going to conferences really, really helps. I know that sometimes that can be hard to work into your budget, but that's really sometimes the tipping point for where you start to make those connections that really make a difference. Cause otherwise you can kind of feel like you're just sitting at home typing into a box and that's no fun. And it's, you know, it does take time because it's such a crowded niche and there's so many of us It kind of takes the time to figure out who you are, where do you fit in this whole world? But I think if you're consistent and you show up and you do it, and you make an effort to comment on other people's blogs, read other people's stuff, share other people's stuff. I think it's just like any niche. You have to be in it. You have to be sharing. You have to be uh, offering value to your community. So if you're on Twitter, you know, and you're, of course, linking to your stuff, but you're linking to other people, you're engaging in conversation, all those things. Um, I don't think it's that different from other niches. I really don't. I do think it has the illusion of being really super crowded. But I think when you look at mommy blogging as a whole. And then it's probably like business blogging. You could look at it as a whole, or you could say, oh, what are all the niches within it? Okay. You've got like your Mormon mommy bloggers. You've got your mom bloggers who write about their kids with special needs. You have your mom bloggers who write a lot about baking and food. You have ones who write about crafts. There's a lot of niches and a lot of opportunities to get into those niches. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And you were talking about earlier about how important it is in, in, in the mommy blogger niche to, to reach out and to just Put yourself in there and develop relationships, and I think that's just right. advice that's great for anybody in any any niche. I, I know for me, you know, I you know, and for anybody really, like when I when I see other successful entrepreneurs, they never did it all by themselves. They were never alone during the process. They were always developing relationships and creating relationships that could, you know, not just with their audience, but other people in the same niche. Like you said, not just people who are higher, but people on the same level and also people lower, because sometimes you never know what those sort of lower level bloggers can become. Who right. can then become an A-lister who will, who will help you out or bring you along with them, which is mm-hmm. sort of exactly. kind of what happened to me and what, what's happened to a lot of people. And I like that you said that, you know, I, I, I'm even thinking of, of the online business niche and, and, and a lot of other niches uh, where people have just recently come on board and, and sort of became a star really quickly. Yeah, um, it, it's possible. And you have to kind of it's- look at those people and see you know, what, and try to figure out what, how did that happen or why did that happen? And you know, what? it's, it's never sort of random. No, it's not. It's not. And I I think too, like one thing that I think mom bloggers have been a little bit reluctant to do is embrace the business side. There's a sort of this apologetic feeling across the niche where like, Mm. well, we, you know, we really just want to have a community. We really want to talk about our kids. You know, we got this money coming in and that's cool too. And you know, I was pretty unapologetic about the fact that when I launched my blog, um, I was doing it not necessarily as things, thinking it was going to become its own business because I really didn't know what it was going to be. But I wanted it to help me earn money because I was working, I needed to earn money, and I couldn't justify putting time into something that wasn't ever going to, you know, so whether it was a platform for a book or whether it was going to just help me sell that book or whatever it was going to become, it had to become something um, profitable mm-hmm. in some way. And I think a lot of mom bloggers have had a hard time kind of embracing that. And, and I, one thing I would caution, um, somebody who maybe just wants to start off writing about their families is really know what you're getting into it for. If you truly just want to journal about your family life, that's fantastic. But I I've noticed a lot of people that when they start off that way and you know maybe they get 6 months in and then they get their first brand sponsorship or they get uh, you know an offer to do something they're like, "Ooh, but this is like a journal." So like am I selling my kids? You know, it's like that very confusing. Uh, right. They kind of go through that. I never really went through that because I I always knew my blog was not about my kids. I wasn't using, I wasn't exploiting my kids to sell something. It was like, I never had that, that sort of um, inner 
conflict because that had never been the point of my blog to begin with. So I think if you're getting into it now and you think at some point you want to make money on it, it really helps to figure out the things that you're going to write about. I mean, and it sounds, I think women sometimes, especially, um, they feel like that's so calculating. Like, you know, you're going to write a blog, it should be art. It can't just be this thing that you think about like a business, but you know what? I mean, it can be art, but then you might not make any money. (laughs) So you have to know what you're getting into it for, you know? Right. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that people in different niches can learn from other niches, of course. And, and, you know, I mean, that's something I've noticed is how very little sort of selling is actually done on the mommy blog sites. And it's, yeah. it's nice to know that, you know, really the money is coming from from the bigger brands out there. Right. Although I think a lot of people in, in your niche can can benefit or or use similar strategies to strategies that, for instance, I use um, oh, to, to, to take things really to the next level. And, and, you know, not only just make more money, but also help more people at the same mm-hmm. time, which I think all of them, all of them, everybody wants to do, or hopefully. Now, you know, that that's something that potentially that that you or or other people in your niche can take away from 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 you know someone in my space but what what's you know obviously you know a lot of other mommy bloggers uh, is it okay that I'm saying that like oh you know what <laughs> i wouldn't <laughs> okay it's okay we won't we won't hurt you but honestly it's like such a divisive term i don't know i always tell people when in doubt don't say mommy blogger okay so what should, what should, i mean just i just say blogger mom bloggers i don't know something about the word mommy just yeah. Like, okay. I, I see what you're saying. The back of my neck raise up. So. Well, I'm sorry. I apologize for that. <laughs> That's okay. No, it's fine. I hear it so much. It doesn't bother me anymore. But <laughs> okay. Well, I apologize to anyone out there listening who may be a <laughs> mom okay. blogger. I, I don't mean to offend to offend at all. I know. Um, but obviously, you're in you're in this space, and you know a lot of people, and you talk, and you go to conferences. What's sort of mm-hmm. the, the the trends, and you know what, what's what's working right now for for you that you think a lot of other niches can learn from. Well, absolutely. Like, I think that um, one thing that, and, and I'm going to, this is not actually answering the question correctly, but one thing I'm seeing working for a lot of other bloggers I want to start doing is ebooks. That's something that I think is getting really big. Um, like, and like honestly, Kindle, like ebooks or uh, Kindle ebooks or even just downloadable PDFs, which, you know, surprised me <laughs> at first. Um, coming from the world of having done some traditionally published books, and I did my one, The Happiest Mom, and I also did a couple other ones. And there was a lot of snobbery around ebooks because for so long they were seen as sort of vanity publishing. And it was like, well, anybody can get it. You know, anybody can do it. So then how do you know it's any good? And I think what we're realizing now is the re- the way you know it's any good is if it's any good, people will say it's good. And if it's not, they'll they'll say it's not. <laughs> That's how you know. Right. Um, but I mean, it seems so obvious now. But I, I do think that there's that world that still wants that gatekeeper that has a hard time with like a peer um you know, peers deciding whether things are good or not. It's like, mm-hmm. it's a little bit of snobbery. But anyway, that's something that I've seen um, mom bloggers doing really successfully. So maybe it's something as simple as like a meal planning uh, workbook. Or I've seen really successful mom bloggers who are focusing on different um, specialty diets, like vegan diets or gluten-free diets, doing little cookbooks where they, you know, they write about their their recipes they're doing. Or like there was even one who I think did like a 30-day um, cleansing. I want to say it was like going, you know, sh- no sugar, all that kind of stuff, like a cleanse diet. Right, right. Some of those get really big and, and it depends on your niche and it depends on your audience, but it's a really nice, because the thing that can be really frustrating about ad sales, and I don't know how much ad, you do do ad sales, Pat? Uh, not really not on Smart Passive Income, no. I didn't think you did. Okay. So, but one thing that can be really frustrating about that is that 
you know, you feel like you're getting so little in return for your readers. You're like, man, I have like, maybe I have 25,000 really, you know, really loyal readers. I have 50,000 really loyal readers. And then what does that equal in ad sales? Hardly anything. If you're doing, you know, like a network Mm -hmm. that's paying, you know, one or $2 CPM or whatever they are paying. So I find that like the eBooks are a way to, um, for those people who maybe have moderate sized audiences to connect with their readers more directly and and really help them out and not just have an ad somewhere on their site that's, you know, maybe making them money and maybe not. So that's one thing. And then another thing um, that a lot of us are starting to do now is video. And that's something that I think I'm a little behind the eight ball on maybe. But amazingly, a lot of bloggers aren't doing video. It just surprises me. Yeah, <laughs> no, like, you're, you're, you're absolutely you know, right. And, and in the space I'm in, you know, we are we tend to think hope to think that we're sort of ahead in, in the game right. of, of that sort of stuff. And, and yes, video is definitely trending and still even in, in the space that I'm in, in the blog, in the, the blog, how to blog, blog, mm-hmm. blogging space and also online marketing. Um, there's still a lot of room for people doing video. So I, I think that's uh, absolutely um, a, a huge thing. And I remember in 2011, I think Corbett Barr from thinktraffic.net had me on as a guest saying, you know, what's, what's one traffic building strategy that you think is going to work from this point forward. And, you know, I predicted video is going to be huge. So, uh, I just, you know, it's absolutely true. And, and I, I really think that you sort of just have to get uncomfortable. I'm not saying this to, to, to you, Megan, but just to everybody out there, you know, it's not an easy thing to do, but you just have to do it and you're going to get better. And I remember my first video, I hate it, but it's still out there. Oh yes. Like I don't, I turn it off half, like after five seconds, I, I shouldn't put myself through this but you know what a lot of people don't think about the things that you're thinking about when you're watching yourself they just want the good content and that's it really and and so you just gotta you just gotta do it and now you know youtube is is the number two search engine in the world every you know there's people just starting their careers on youtube uh there you know youtube is connected as far as search engine optimization with google it's just uh, and, and really you can build a deeper relationship than you can with just text so i think that's really cool that that, that you know in the mom blog world that that's that's going to be it's starting to get bigger it's 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 slow but it's starting to get bigger and and um and you know for people who do want to work with brands, that's a big thing for brands right now. They want to see video. They, To them, I think that's just an easier way. Because it's one thing to write about a product. Sometimes it's like can be very clunky to try to insert a product into your um, editorial mm-hmm. text. Mm-hmm. But it can be very natural in video. And it's so visual. It's just It just makes a lot of sense. And it's, so anyone who wants to be doing that kind of thing... Um, that's an area to really be looking at. And Pinterest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Pinterest. Oh, Pinterest. I just need to, like, I'm on there and I'm I, I'm really working that angle. But man, there are some bloggers who literally went from nothing and became, I don't want to say overnight successes because I think that's a little misleading. Mm-hmm. But they became very, very fast rising stars because they really tapped into Pinterest and that obsession with beautiful pictures and, you know, and text on the picture, on the pictures and just, you know, really study it, like see what people are doing that are really great at what they do and, and, and do, and, and don't copy them, but you know, how you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but before we finish up here again, man, thank you sure. for your time today. Um, a couple traffic building tips for our readers out there. Sure. I mean, you, you were talking numbers like 25,000 to 5,000 loyal readers, which probably means right. that you have a lot more traffic than that, obviously. Uh, what, what are some tips you have for us? Well, you know, honestly, that's something that I think can feel very random at times um, for a lot of people who are blogging about personal things. And I think that 
one thing that I've noticed that really helps is to write. And I know you've talked about this before. So this is why I love your show because like every time I listen to it, I'm like, yes, <laughs> I love what he just said. But, um, I don't remember if it was you or one of your, one of your guests who was talking about writing the Epic post. I think that was, you know, yeah. Corbett bar, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, epic, epic, the S word. The, uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't cuss on my blog, yeah, I, but I, I do in real life, but not on my blog. But anyway, um, so he, so I think that's so amazing because really sometimes all it takes is to write, you know, sometimes there's like that temptation to fill your like week with content. And I kind of spun my wheels a little bit on this and this, I'm still learning. You know, I don't think any of us, the great thing is I don't think any of us have us figured out yet. Right. We're all still kind of learning as we go. Oh, yeah. This is such wild, uncharted wild, wild West, just like you said, it's earlier. the wild West. but one thing I've realized is that one awesome post that maybe took me a whole week to write isn't, it's not just today. It's not just the hits I get on it today. It's which posts are people still coming back to two, three, four years later. It's those posts. So sometimes like the temptation to fill your, you know, have a post every single day of the week just to make sure people keep coming back. And that was for a while a big thing. Like make sure you post every day. You know, mm-hmm. you get this advice. Make sure you put up really short posts every day. And I was trying to do that. That's not my that's not my style. What I'm realizing is that my style is to write longer posts that are really packed with information. And sometimes I can only write a couple of those in a week. And what ends up happening is maybe they don't get the traffic on the front end that I want, but those posts go, they get out there in the world and they, and they hang around. People share them. People are still sharing them years later. They stay. They have lasting power. They have so much more staying power than the post I just threw up one day on a Tuesday because I didn't really have anything to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just had to have some content. What's, <laughs> so, uh, what's, what's one post that you remember that you've written that's, that's kind of oh, taken off so like I wrote. I think maybe the first one I ever wrote that really got crazy big like that was I wrote this post about buying this dress. Um, it was I was going to a conference and I, you know, I usually like a lot of moms I know, I buy my clothes off the clearance rack at Target. And I went to this boutique in my town and I tried this dress on and I just felt so pretty in this dress. So I know a lot of your readers are probably like, oh gosh. But it just it was awesome. Like it it was much more money than I ever would spend usually on a dress. Right, right. But I decided to buy it. And then I wrote about it and I had included pictures of myself. What ended up happening is I went to this um, p- conference and then they happened to have a photographer on site who was doing like photo sessions. So I ended up like on the corner in the street in Manhattan with this photographer taking pictures of me. And it was so surreal because I'm like this mom of five and I live in this little town in the Midwest. And so here I am in this dress and blah, blah, blah. So I wrote all about it. And I just, my point was, you know, we skimp on things sometimes and, and there's this sort of there at the same time, there was this Facebook status going around that basically said like, I'm the mom who never, you know, washes my hair. And it's like a point of pride because my kids are everything to me and I have no life essentially was the point of this Facebook status. It was getting widely, um, that was getting widely shared. And I said, Hey guys, you know, it's okay for us to like do things for ourselves. That's okay. You know, it's, it's all right for us to wash our hair and, uh, Mm -hmm put on a little makeup or whatever and take some time. And it doesn't mean we're selfish and it, and being selfish isn't always such a bad thing. So for whatever reason, I didn't expect it, but this, this post hit a huge nerve and I got, that probably got me, you know, like hundreds of just subscribers from that post. And it was crazy because I never, I didn't expect it, but it was really heartfelt. I spent a lot of time on that post and for whatever reason, it was just one of those posts that just hit a nerve and got shared all over the place and still does. I still sometimes will get like incoming, um, you know, incoming hits from that post and traffic and I'll go see where it came from and someone posted it on a forum somewhere. Right, right. And I'm like, I can't believe people are still reading. That's those cool. Three. That's really cool. Uh, <laughs> and, and I have to say that, you know, I, I have been 
um, spending a little bit more money than I than I usually do on fashion as well. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm going to a lot of conferences conferences now. If if any of you listeners have watched my new media expo presentation, you'll see I'm like in this this vest uh, uh, and and I talk about you know my fashion a little bit there. So so yeah, I'm I'm totally like in, in agreement with you there. But as far as the post itself, you know, I think it took off for a number of different reasons. One, just that it was real. The, the story is is an amazing story. The I'm you know you you said you included pictures in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the timing was just right, and it was a little bit controversial too, which I know is a strategy that Derek Halpern talks about a lot. I mean, he goes all out with being controversial <laughs> and, and very is very strategic about that. But I think you know because of this post uh, that was going around on Facebook and the timing of that, plus your sort of opposite stance on it, and and just right. uh, I think that that that's great. And and obviously this kind of stuff. You know, stands the tell of time. It's not just like a oh, this is this only matters this week. This is something that's important for all people who are in your audience all the time. Right, and and it was, and it did skirt the edges of being controversial. That's where usually where I stay. I don't like to be super controversial, but I find sometimes just even if you're not comfortable taking a really strong stand, sometimes just skirting the edge. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it helps. Yeah, it does. It does. It gets people thinking. You have to, and you you know that kind of establishes who you are and what your beliefs are online. Who other people who have the same beliefs can connect with and who people who have opposite beliefs uh, can share their opinion on. And, you know, it's just, yeah. it's all, it's all, um, it, it's all synced up together. So, so that, that's really cool. And you know what, Megan, thank you. I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, no, that's fine. You know, actually, Pat, I was going to, can I ask you a question? Of course. I don't want to take up too much of your time either, but I know that I'm going to have like a lot of my listeners listening, my readers listening to this and who I really want to pick your brain about affiliate. <laughs> Dude, I could talk for something. hours about affiliate oh. marketing. So, um, yeah, maybe we maybe we could do. Yeah, well, one thing that I'm I'm seeing is that that's not an area I don't think that a lot of mom bloggers are really getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you can't give a whole rundown. And well, what I will say to anyone listening is go find all of his other podcasts on affiliate marketing. But I, I think it really was when I listened to one of your podcasts, I was like, oh my gosh, why am I not doing this? Right. <laughs> like, seriously. And I don't think a lot of mom bloggers are. I haven't seen a lot of that. You know, maybe the occasional Amazon right. post or something. Right. But it's just not something that's really taken over that world yet. So if you write about that, I guarantee sure. like, I mean, you like tailor it to that audience. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love it if your audience came over and checked out uh, Smart Passive Income Podcasts number 41, which is affiliate marketing the smart way. Um, and, and it's really about how I do it in a way where I'm, I'm, yes, I'm making money off of recommending other products to other people, but I'm having those people come back to me and say, you know, thank you for finding this and right. sharing it with me. Um, and, and, you know, that is how you want to approach affiliate marketing. You want to approach it as if, you know, those products you are selling are your own. You want to mm-hmm. know them that well, which means you actually have to use them, which at least in the space that I'm in, a lot of people don't do. They promote products that they don't or haven't necessarily used. And I think that's a huge risk because you are, uh, you know, you're risking the trust that you have with your audience. And yes, if that product's terrible, they're going to be angry at that company, but they're going to be even more angry at you because you were the one that recommended it. Um, I always make sure that I go all out as far as showing people what they're going to get when they get it. Um, mm-hmm. I have a couple, you know, I, uh, for instance, I share a host and domain company, uh, Bluehost, that, that I recommend. And, you know, I don't just recommend it, but I show people exactly in a video how to set that up step by step because what that does is it gets people comfortable with what they're going to get before they buy it and also it just gives them peace of mind as far as understanding a certain process that they probably don't know about yet 
Um, and then just, you know, there's a whole bunch of tips just like that, which are really easy, making sure to offer support at the point of where you're actually selling that particular product or recommending it, making sure to say that, yes, I am actually going to get a commission if you do go through this link, which a lot of people right. don't even know that that could be the case. And they'll, they'll, they'll go out of their way to make sure that if you deliver enough value and, and uh, to people that they're going to want to go through that link for you um, because mm -hmm. there's no extra cost to them. And that's something else I also make sure to share every once in a while, you know, at no extra cost to you, you know, this, this doesn't <laughs> right. cost you anything. Right. You just have to go through this convenient link that's right here uh, and, and I'll, I'll get paid for it. Thank you in advance. If you have any questions about this before or after you purchase, let me know. And typically most people don't even ask me any questions, but just because that, that sort of, uh, there's that security there that in case there right. are any questions that they're more comfortable to go through it. So, I mean, I could talk for again, hours about that. That's fine. Well, that was a really good, um, that was a really good quick <laughs> summary, but, and I'll definitely direct people toward that, okay. that episode. But I think what you're saying about having that relationship and the trust with your readers is what makes it that way, because, you know, it's your authority I mean, you're, and, and being really helpful because you can throw out names of products all day long, but if you don't, kind of hold someone's hand and yeah. maybe walk them through it. Yeah. They might be less like willing or I will say or they would just wouldn't even think of it. I will say that as a a blogger who is now sort of you know I I guess I I know I'm pretty popular. Um I I'm getting a lot of messages from brands and other people who have their mm -hmm. products who want me to promote them as an affiliate and it's really it would be really easy to make a lot of money by promoting right. all of them um, <laughs> right. but you know my audience comes first which I'm sure it does for you and for yeah, uh, most of the other mom bloggers out there so just always keeping that in mind um, and always having that be the sort of um, decision maker or, or the the motivator behind your the decisions that you make for anything um, especially affiliate marketing is important yeah well, thank you. That was a good summary. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, th and thank you for that. And, and um, you know, the last question I want to ask you is sure. if anyone wants to find out more about you, where would they go? Where should they go? They can go. Okay. So there's two places you can find me um, online. I have my blog, thehappiestmom.com. Pretty easy to find. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I also am now kind of just, I've just started blogging under my own name again, just for fun. <laughs> just so that I have a place to write about things that don't fit under sort of the mom, mm -hmm. the mom umbrella. And that's Megan, which is a little bit confusing spelling. It's M-E-A-G-A-N-F-R-A-N-C-I-S.com. And I write about things like work and life and I'm planning a, um, a trip abroad with my family next year. And I write about that kind of stuff there. Just stuff that doesn't necessarily fit under the other brand. Awesome. So, awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll make sure to put those links in the show notes for you. And also we could find you on Twitter uh, at your name, Megan Francis. At Megan Francis. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate the time. And um, just, you know, if there's anything I could do for you in the future, just please let me know. Thanks. This has been great, Pat. Thank you. Thanks so much. All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Megan from thehappiestmom.com. Actually, now it's thehappiesthome.com. She just rebranded, but either of those URLs will work. Um, you know, she's just been doing amazing stuff and has an amazing story and uh, a great personality. Thank you so much, Megan, for coming on the show. So fun to have you on. And as always, the links and everything mentioned in the show can be found at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 62 since this is session 62 so head on over there to get that and other helpful resources and please if you haven't already feel free to head on over to ebooksthesmartway.com to get my free ebook about how to publish market and automate a killer ebook over 50,000 people have downloaded it so far so if you haven't done so already do it ebooksthesmartway.com thank you so much again for taking the time out of your day to listen to me i really appreciate you and until next time stay healthy and i'll see you in the next session peace 
Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point. So I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray. And in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.